a top 10 time machine. Welcome back to Past Tens, a top 10 time machine. It's the podcast where we go back in time. We look at the Billboard top 10 musical hits from a given year in the past, and then we break them down and we talk about what we remember, what we don't, what's good, what's not still, and we have a lot of fun along the way. My name is Dave, but more importantly, shooting at the walls of heartache. Bang, bang. He is the Chartmeister. He's Michael Millwolf. Yeah. Yeah. Although I got to I got to tell you, you know, talk about heartache. I, you know, the Sports Illustrated cover jinx. Yes, I'm familiar. You know, with well, that. An athlete appears on the cover of sports or what? No, it's the mat. It's the Sports Illustrated cover jinx and the Madden football jinx. The, right? the Madden cover. The, the athlete they choose to be on the cover of Madden video game each year has also experienced jinx symptoms yes correct right now i know it's the perils of running a nostalgia music podcast oh i know what you're gonna say yeah but it sure as hell seems every time we cover a musical act chances are within weeks of their appearance on past tens they pass away we put the Literally. hex on them we'll we put- should be calling this pass away tens because <laughs> last week we yep. covered um a brilliant song by the rolling stones and sure enough a matter of days later Charlie Watts, the legendary Rolling Stones drummer, passes away. How many times has this happened so far? We more more than once. We I constantly don't... get emails from listeners saying, hey, did you hear so-and-so died? You just talked about that. Yeah, and sometimes it's the obscure ones that we pull out. Then all of a sudden it's like, hey, I didn't ever know about him. And right. he's, like, remember it was he's like dead. The <laughs> woman that Gordon Lightfoot wrote that song Sundown about suddenly died yeah. like a few weeks later. I mean, it's just, I don't, I, there's something going on. I'm yep. a little worried. Yeah, um, I, I might take the opportunity to mention that Ian chimed in, one of the great machiners out there, our fan and um, musical colleague brother, musical brother of love brother, musical. He's our, he's our, he's our musical bro. He's a guy. He's, a, he's our musical bro. And he he pointed out that he acknowledged uh, the passing of Char- Charlie Watts. And then he just wanted to uh, point our attention to some interesting musical factoid. I don't know if you heard about this woman passed away. Her name's Connie Hamsey. You hear about this thing? She, I did not. She's So um, it's funny because my uncle, who's a huge rock and roll fans started posting pictures of this woman, Connie, and saying, R.I.P. Connie. And I'm like, who the hell is Connie? According to an AP report, Connie Hamsey, a rock and roll groupie from Arkansas who was immortalized as sweet, sweet Connie in the Grand Funk Railroad hit, We're an American Band. She died. She was uh-huh. 66. And, See that? But yeah. we didn't cover her. No, we didn't. So that's not our fault. But 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 you <laughs> but it's just interesting that he chimed in. We'll, we'll take any kind of m- uh, musical interesting oh, factoid. Love, love those. And love you those remember nights. the lyric out on the road for forty days last night in Little Rock put me in a hey sweet sweet Connie doing her act. She had the whole whatever. I'm Got not, some cowbell there. We were talking cowbell was, last week. Could that be on the cowbell ooh, list? I think it. <laughs> I think it could be. You're right. There's a major cowbell. Yes. Um, and you want me to just finish off the, the viewer mail yeah, while we're here? So, um, Shane, our friend in Down Under, I'm not going to do the accent, that's mean. Um, <clears throat> I tried to shout him out last show, and I said, Shane had some great witticisms, which I have completely forgotten. He's quoting me yeah, back, back to me. You, you dissed him. I know. And so I didn't mean to. I'm just, I was just saying I, I screwed up. I should have 
kept uh, Shane's note by me, but he says he remarks on the song in the year 2525, which seemed a very bizarre, unlikely number one hit that we covered last episode. And he said he remembered it. He played it a lot on, it was played a lot on the radio. He said he was born in 67, so he's, he's just one year older than us. And um, he says it doesn't really hold up, but we had a bad version of it. So maybe at some point we'll find the better version of it. Well, I, I read his email, and so yep. I went and listened you to did. the better version of it. Yep. Yeah, it doesn't work. <laughs> still not it's, good. No, still, still, oh, okay. still doesn't happen. No. So, no, I'm out. Uh, Sorry, Shane, I'm out. we're going to piss off Shane for the second week in a row, even though we were trying to uh, try no, to No, I him love off. Shane. Okay. And I love Shane. getting all of our reader mail. Yes. I mean, Shane happens to write us all the time, which we absolutely love. And we love getting all your emails. Delivered, of course, to uh, top10timemachine at gmail.com. Top10, T-E-N, timemachine at gmail.com. And as usual, come visit us at timemachinepod.com. Come visit our Facebook page, whatever you want to do. Find us uh, and listen to us wherever you get your favorite podcast, yes, like this one. And go to the website. And just a reminder, we don't sell much on the show, but we do sell this T-shirt that we dig. I call it the 80s rock mantra t-shirt or something like that but it's got lyrics from the 80s and all you have to know is the first thing on the shirt says tommy used to work on the dock so how are you not going to make someone smile by um giving them that t-shirt you go to the website and click on store and it's like right, a lousy 20 bucks gift. back you, to school there gift. you go you need clothes for the new, <laughs> new semester there's nothing that seventh graders <laughs> like more than 80s lyrics t-shirt trust me on this one I would say some do actually. Some, do. Uh, That's uh, true. Retro's in. Retro's bon, in. Yeah, bon but look, Jovi, the right. reason why retro is in is probably because of this podcast. Because the time right. machine goes back in time, visits some interesting eras, and shows us the great or not so great music from that era. I love these moments, Dave. I want to get in the machine. Will you take us there? Let's do it right now. Milt, the time machine has taken us back to the week ending September eighth, nineteen eighty four. This is uh, just to set the mood, a little uh, instrumental track from Duran Duran, or as we used to call them, Duran. Um, <laughs> that's, an, that's an old joke Thank from you, an old editing episode. software. Yeah, right, thanks right. to the editing software. Hey, we're back in the 80s, man. Love it. We do know our listeners love the 80s. I mean, we yep. see the metrics. Every time we do an 80s episode, it's the true. metrics fly high. People so love look, the 80s. Yep. We can't control these things, but when the machine takes us there, we know people are happy. Right. 84. This is kind of a great music year. I'm hoping for the best year. But first, why don't I set us some context, shall I? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, first things first. The uh, 12th Space Shuttle mission landed at Edwards Air Force Base this week, ending September 8th, 1984. It was the first mission for the Space Shuttle Discovery 1, which Mm -hmm. eventually became the most used spacecraft in history. It, It hasn't flown since 2011. But it literally was the most used spacecraft in American history, and therefore, I believe, world history. So, so what do they? What does it do? What do they do? They, <laughs> I mean, the first one—the first one that went up—the novelty was this: this thing can actually go into outer space and come back and actually land on wheels like an airplane. Do they use it for research and stuff? Have yes, we really? They, they fly into the sky and then they shoot lasers that start <laughs> forest fires, and they do that on purpose. <laughs> Am I right? Yeah, I think I think I heard Sarah Palin say that, so it must be true. Also this week, I'm going to say some a name you may not be familiar with. Quarterback Willie Totten. Have you ever heard that name? No. Willie Totten set a 1AA football record by throwing for 536 yards and 9 touchdowns 
in a win for a college called Mississippi Valley State. Can you tell me who his wide receiver was? Would that have been Mr. Jerry Rice, perhaps? That is correct. Hey, I didn't without any prep. Jerry Rice caught 17 passes for 294 yards and five touchdowns in that game. We know Jerry Rice. Willie Totten? I think, not so no, not Willie Totten, no, but, but it's funny. He's in a bar somewhere telling that story, and everyone's going, yeah, Jerry Rice, right. <laughs> but I seem to remember our, our mutual uh, friend and uh, fraternity brother, Jeff Weissman, who knew everything about sports, too much about sports. I seem to remember him making fun of him because he would always come up with some guy who goes, you know who's the best receiver in football right now? Bloody, bloody, blah, Mississippi Valley Tech or something. And he probably was talking about Jerry Rice at the time. Wow, and I know he was. And I was making fun of him, and he was right. Jerry Rice was the greatest. Jeff Weissman, our apologies. Weiss, we love For you. everything. Yeah. Also this week in 1984, Janet Jackson, an 18-year-old Janet Jackson, married 21-year-old James DeBarge. Wow, I don't think I knew that. Uh, well, that's probably because the marriage was annulled the next year due to oh. DeBarge's cocaine addiction. Hmm. So she, she couldn't have been too many years removed from her appearance as Charlene, uh, the girlfriend on uh, Different Strokes. That's exactly <laughs> that's how, right. That's how I measure Janet Jackson. It was it was Penny on Good Times and then Charlene on Different Strokes. And then she married DeBarge and then didn't. And then her nipple she popped out. from Willis to, to DeBarge. Nope, right. What you talking about, Janet? <laughs> So also, up. let's wish a happy birthday to actor Garrett Hedlund. He was the original Don Billingsley in the movie Friday Night Lights and has gone on to a fairly successful, very successful acting career. Okay. Happy birthday to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, the number one movie of the week this week is a movie I haven't seen, which is surprising because um, it's 1984. I was mm. definitely movie going and I know it, but I've just never seen it. It's Tightrope with Clint Eastwood. Number one TV show of the week. Um, well, I'll give you a little bit of a hint. Uh, okay. Referencing from another uh, 1980s classic that could never possibly air anytime uh, mm-hmm. in the current day or in the future. You look mighty cute in them jeans. <laughs> oh, so it was the A-Team, right? That is correct. Because yeah, okay. <laughs> that was Eddie Murphy's... <laughs> That talk about a comedy routine that does not hold up at all. No, although Eddie, at the time I'm not going to lie. Oh, we I thought, lost it. We, loved it. We probably thought that was the greatest comedy album of all time, and many did. We weren't alone. But for those that don't know what we're talking about, we won't play it because it doesn't hold up. But Eddie Murphy did a routine imagining Mr. T as a gay guy, and not just a gay guy, a kind of sexually ravenous gay guy. It was inappropriate. Yes, but unfortunately, at the time, very very funny. Yes. Um, I never watched the 18, by the way. I just never into it. I watched a few episodes. Yeah. It just wasn't my thing back then. Yeah, me too. Never, never already get into it. But Dave, I do know in 1984 is legendary for being a great year in music. Now, I don't know about this week. So we got to find out what the machine is telling us. Let's count down the top 10 songs of the Billboard Hot 100 for this week in 1984. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's go right to number 10. Here we go. Number 10. Memorable. Slow start, but yes, memorable start. Come on, Rick. Oh, that is incorrect. Oh, that is not Rick Ocasek. Ben Orr? 
No? It is Ben Orr. Okay. That is correct. Now, for those of you who are unaware, and we'll uh, we'll eventually get to the course, this is The Cars with, ironic, they didn't like to name songs after what their band was named of. This song is called Drive. Although Whether the, that was intentional or not, I don't know. You have, um, you have to imagine that's something to do with it, right? Yeah, probably. We talked about The Cars once before. They only had four top ten hits. Um, here's, this was their third. Here's The Cars. Here's The Cars. Who's gonna drive you home tonight? Very sad song, and yeah. we'll get there. But okay. like I said, third of four top ten hits. Um, and this was their highest peaking song on the pop charts. Uh, peaked at number three. None of their songs from their debut album, The Cars, which is a rock and roll classic. You can right. make an argument, one of the 10, 20 best debut albums of all time. Right. None of those songs hit the top ten. Really? They were, they were a new wave rock band back then. They had not crossed over into the top of the pop charts. They made the top 20 with a few songs i think but none in the top 10 mm. this was this was written by rick okasic but was sung by ben Orr, both of whom have passed away as we've discussed right. um mm-hmm. it's about a guy trying to get a girl that he probably dated at some point to realize that her life is out of control and that she needs help and that's where the lyric you can't go on thinking nothing's wrong who's gonna drive you home tonight basically huh. saying I'm trying to take care of you here, but you got to take care of yourself, um, which is kind of poignant. Do you have any anything in your notes about Paulina Poroskova? <laughs> As a matter of fact, I do. Okay, so, so you go ahead. because the, the video is very important. To me. Yep. So the video, interestingly enough, it was directed by actor Timothy Hutton from Ordinary People and oh. Beautiful Girls. and Falcon whatever. and the Snowman, yeah. That's right. Yeah. He was the one to actually cast an 18-year-old. 18 seems to be a big year of uh, females in this countdown. Mm. An 18-year-old Paulina Poroskova was cast to act in this video. And during the shoot, I actually think during the casting, is when she met Rick Ocasek there mm. for the first time. He was married at the time. But, you know, Paulina Poroskova. It's, but it's Paulina, man. You know, yeah. yeah, I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, there's right. a there's a... I would hope Rick's wife had to kind of throw up her arms moment and say, what are you, you know, what are you looking at? <laughs> right. They ultimately married in 1989 and, um, clearly it didn't work out for lots of different reasons. Um, do you know where she well, was born? What was that? Do you know where she was born? Paulina. Was she Czech? Very good, Milt. Wow. Yeah. I, thought I wouldn't so. have gotten that. She's a wild and crazy girl. She's, yeah. um, and I don't know if you were going to get to this, but she's been in the news uh, just kind of a lot. in a social media way recently because she posted these, you know, very fetching photos of her, some with no makeup, some with no clothes. She looks friggin' fantastic. She's four years older does. than us. She's 56. So it's just kind of weird that they were a couple. And I forget when Rick Ocasek died, but it seems like it was kind of a while ago. He, he's He's just of another age, right? Anyway. So he died in 2019. Oh, not um, that long ago. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm and sorry. Wikipedia now, you know, they had a very odd ending. Um, we've talked about this before, but I'll just give you the summary. Yeah. Uh, Poroskova and Okasik were still in the process of their divorce. Oh. But he had disinherited her in a new will, alleging that before his recent surgery, she had abandoned him. Hmm. He also disinherited two of his six sons, Chris and Adam, which required a probate judge to rule on the veracity of the abandonment claims before the remaining estate could be divided. It's a fucking mess. Wow. And it's, I mean, it sounds oddly possible that Okasa kind of lost his mind a little at the end. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, 
Yeah, sad. He seemed like an odd guy. I mean, I don't know. I mean, he was he was the classic example, the precursor to Axl Rose. Is how does a butt ugly guy get a beautiful model to <laughs> to pal up with him? Because you're a rock star, it doesn't matter. How, like Rick Ocasek looks like a Picasso picture. That's what he used to look like. Well, same thing happened to me because I'm a of podcast course. host, right. and I overcame my, you know, horrendous looks to marry an incredibly gorgeous wife. She is. I would agree. Um, oh, look at that! Thank you, David. Yes. Would you agree about the horrendously ugly part too? Or uh, you know, I, I don't want to pile on here or anything, but <laughs> let's just we'll stick with the theme. We have faces for radio. Um, nah, come on now. Anyway, this song also, by the way, ended up being an anthem at the Live Aid concert. They played it live during the show. It was also used to soundtrack the videos, kind of a famine that they showed. It's a very, you know, drawn out, emotional song. The the thumbing bass line gets a little annoying after 40 years, but um, it's still kind of a beautiful song. I I don't mind it. I understand why it was a hit. I'm just a little tired of it. That's all. Uh, Me too. Was never my... I probably appreciate it a little bit more now because especially after what you just told me, which I guess didn't realize that it was a pretty heavy subject. And the 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 uh, video was kind of melodramatic, but maybe appropriately so. And uh, I like, you know, these guys are from Boston. I should love them. But I think I've told you before, the city has a weird relationship with the cars. They, they never really were kind of of Boston, for some reason, they kind of pretended they were in uh, a fancy dressing English band, which they used to be mistaken for sometimes. Or and, like a New York new wave punk band or something yeah, like that, yeah, right? Right. And they were but fa- look, they're in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And I yeah. will say this there was a time where I just, I had listened to them too much. I, I just couldn't listen to them anymore. I went back and listened to a couple of their old albums again. And I, I, I kind of love them. Espe- I yeah, do. especially those first couple albums. They are. Yeah. In the same way that, um, I don't know, maybe the Eagles, um, you know, as long as you don't listen to the Eagles every year, you can come back to them year after year and be like, ah, oh, this song's freaking great. Sure. Or even like a... I like, have like to remember how influential they were. They, they really yeah. did make new wave popular, you know, this kind of new wave sound. I mean, I thought, this is not an example of that, by the way. But their first couple of albums definitely were. Definitely. Was this off the same album with You Might Think? Was this off the Heartbeat City album? Yes, I believe it was. Yes, uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. We can maybe look that up later. But they, they were, they were pretty sure. In addition to being, uh, you know, pioneers, they were also uh, blamed for ruining rock and roll with that song. You might think, which we'll probably talk about one time. But because it was all computers, it was you, you basically exactly. didn't need a band for that. Anyway, enough about uh, the song was underrated and overrated. The same. Time. We'll get there someday. But right now, yep. let's get back in the machine. Okay, let's go. Number nine. Yeah, I think we're in the 80s. Oh, you think? You think? This is a good headphone song. I don't think I've ever listened to this song before. Headphones. I don't think I owned headphones in 1980. Oh, I hope it's not Carol. Corey Hart that goes there. I really do. <laughs> I wear my sunglasses at night so I can, so I can watch you weave and breathe your story All right. Okay, so he says it right off the bat. Yeah. Yes, this is Corey Hart with Sunglasses at Night. This was his debut single and the, and the first of his two top ten hits. We covered uh, the other one, Never Surrender Before, right. which peaked at number seven. Um, 
I think he's about to sing the chorus, which I want to talk about at one point. Is this here it? it comes? Yep. Okay, let's just talk about this for a minute. I have more to talk about the song's history, but I've heard this song 50,000 times, and I've sung it in my car. Yes. But what do you sing when you sing that chorus part? I love it when you do you this. Something like, yeah, I love it because you. Don't the blame the Wait, dying okay, so don't, don't, I'm going to go back and do it again. because Yeah, please do. Here it comes. Here it comes. Oh, wait. Coming up right now. You pulled this You pulled this on me before with Michael Jackson. So, all right, here we go. Don't push the blame on a guy in shades. All right, I think I got that part. Don't push the blame on a guy in shades. Oh, no. Don't masquerade with the guy in shades. What was the first part? I want to say it's don't push the blame on a guy with shades. Oh, no. Is that, is that not You're it? You're close. You're oh, okay. much closer than I was. <laughs> okay. Again, I thought it was, don't hit the blah on the dying blah, blah. <laughs> in reality, it's yes. don't switch the blade on the guy in shades. Oh, no. Oh, I wasn't that close at all. <laughs> well, you got the guy in shades part. Uh, yeah, I didn't even get that. Don't switch the blade? Okay. Oh, like a switch, switch like a switch. Oh, my God. It's worse, exactly. worse than I, I, I could have imagined. I've heard it a thousand times, and I've sung it. Yeah. I have never sung those lyrics, ever. <laughs> it's a great one. It's a great yeah, one. Yep. It's a good one. Yep. Anyway, he was 19, actually, when he was almost done recording this debut album, and he started fiddling with a song that he originally called My Cigarette Got Wet. And then he oh, changed God. it when in the recording studio, apparently, the engineers there would wear sunglasses to protect their eyes from, like, an AC vent that was blowing down on them. Okay. And all of a sudden, he got this idea, sunglasses, night. that's it. So we right. changed my cigarette got wet to sunglasses as night. I kind of like my cigarette got wet, but it's a different song. But I kind of like. Are we supposed to just drop it in word for word? Like, uh, I have no. I idea. think my cigarette cigarette got wet. No, this this is a, this is kind of. You'll probably get to more. This is a, uh, dare I say iconic song. I mean, oh totally. Right? I mean, any. In fact, it, it's it's become part of the lexicon. Like if you see somebody. At a party at night wearing sunglasses, it's like, what's up, Corey Hart? You know, totally. I mean, right? <laughs> totally. Yeah. Totally. And it's it's a cheesy song because it's kind of got that 80s kind of thing going to it. Very much But so. it's iconic. I mean, we yeah. use that word loosely a little bit maybe on this pod from time to time. Yeah. But it is an 80s, almost one-hit wonder, synth pop classic? Yes. I, I, I don't mind going there. Okay. Well, but the only the only criticism I have is it is a little reminiscent. Play the very beginning, the first synth lick for this song again. Okay, and you know it well, right? Yep. For some reason though, when I hear this, I sometimes get confused because in 1983, the Eurythmics had another song which sounds a little close to this. Can you play the beginning of that song? I mean, that's yeah. really close, wow. isn't it? Yes. And I'm telling you, this is not like one of those like lawsuit things or whatever. It's just when I hear sunglasses at night come on the radio for a minute, I think it's this song. That's a great call. 
You've done this before. I wish we could keep records of these things, like Milt's almost plagiarism, because I forget <laughs> what your other one was, but it's a, it was a good one. And I was like, is there a lawsuit? You're like, no, I just always think it's the other song, and I'm with you. Um, that's like uh, the song, you know, Mickey by Tony Basil. There are like four other songs that, when they start with the tune, you're like, yeah, is, yeah, is this Mickey totally. or is this like one of these other songs? Anyway, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a great call, Milt. Yeah, and and uh, as far as you know, no no shenanigans, no as lawsuits. As far as I know, no, no, no yeah. nothing, okay. nothing. Right. They're okay, okay with it. Yep. Anyway, I, I still don't know why he's wearing the sunglasses at night. I do know, you know, if you're Stevie Wonder or if you're like trapped in the Matrix, it's okay to wear sunglasses at night. Other than that, unless you're in the North or South Pole, you know, where the sun never goes down. I don't recommend it. So real quick story. I was um, in Las Vegas for my youngest brother, Adam's bachelor party. So we must be going back uh, 15 years at this point. And, you know, my brother's a musician. And so he's got a lot of fun, kind of crazy friends. And I noticed when we went out at night, three or four of them would wear their sunglasses. And so I went up to his, his <laughs> this guy who was in his band. He was the drummer. His name was Tim. Super funny guy. A little bit of a stoner, I think. He, he wouldn't mind me saying that. But I went up to him. I go, you guys like the sunglasses at night? And he goes, yeah. I go, why? He goes, because then they can't see what you're doing. I was like, what? Well, don't, <laughs> he was almost like, who are they? You know, the bad guys, the authorities, you know, they can't oh, see what you're doing. Like he's, he's, he's in his head. It made sense that he's hiding in these uh, in these sunglasses. And, you know, uh, it's like how like dogs and babies don't think. <laughs> you're the, you're in the room with them if they can't see you right 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 where hi peekaboo where are you i can't see you oh there you are oh my god <laughs> what right. happened right yeah yeah <laughs> not to compare your brother's friends well, to babies or anything. not that far off yeah. maybe all right this was a fun one i love this good one. one um but let's go back to the machine see if we can uh keep the good times rolling let's go number eight There is O. Yeah. She was the well, coolest. Thank you, Patty. Yeah. Boy, at the time, she was cool and sexy, oh. and there was something she had going, don't you think? Irresistible. Well, I, you, we'll get into this, but I heard a interview with her recently and i mean it was just an audio interview but she still seems the coolest thing in the world anyways yeah. let her the sing chorus, the chorus. I just you know, it's not the most sophisticated of lyrics you know shooting at the walls of heartache bang bang yeah uh, heart to heart, you'll win if you survive. But whatever. Agreed. At the time, but would you want it any other way, though? Really, for this song? <laughs> I'm just saying. You know, it is what it is. In 1984, I thought this song was extremely cool. This is, of course, the Warrior, which is not Patty Smythe. It's by Scandal, featuring Patty Smythe. I, I always loved that. I think because she went through a different couple incarnations with that, right? Like, yeah, but, yeah. yeah. I think it was just Scandal, right? Yeah, and then they realize you know Correct. she's a front person. Let's let Correct, but then it's this funny. The, a, the greatest. Oh. Sorry, Milt. I'm no, stepping please. on all your points. But the greatest hits album is called Patty Smythe Greatest Hits featuring Scandal, 
which was maybe <laughs> a, a wink and a nod or something. Yeah, go Love ahead. that. Yep. This was Scandal's only top 10 hit. Peaked at number seven, although she did have a top 10 duet, which I think we may have covered. Sometimes love just ain't enough. Yeah, that's yeah. when we uh, discussed the fact that she was actually asked to be the lead singer of Van Halen, if you remember. And that's which is mind blowing. That's when I recently heard that. Not recently, meaning when Eddie died a couple years back. We talked about it on the pod, but I heard her on an interview talking about Eddie, and um, and she kept telling her husband to keep it down. And her husband, of course, is John McEnroe. They're still together. Yeah. Weird. I know it's crazy. Love that. Uh, another weird coincidence is Scandal formed in New York in 1981 and for a brief time in 1983. So the year before this, John Bon Jovi played guitar with them. Wow. All these weird signals crossing. Here. They had a small hit with that. John, song, bon, John, is a great, John, bon, John bon Jovi plays guitar. <laughs> I'm kidding. He I does. He plays sometimes. Yes. Yeah, he does. Um, Goodbye to You was their previous song. It was not a big hit at all. Barely made the charts, but I love that song. I think uh, I think a better song. Do you? Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah, I agree. Um, definitely. This was written, actually, by two people not in the band. It was written by Holly Knight, who wrote tons of Pat Benatar hits and also wrote, you'll get a kick out of this, Ragdoll for Aerosmith. Oh. And, yeah. Never really and her that. partner on the song was a guy named Nick Gilder, who you'll remember as the singer for the song... Hot Child in the City. They wrote this. Song. Wow, Gilder, I hardly know her. Um, yes, I like. I like. <laughs> I do like that song, Hot Child in the City. I actually like that a lot. I yeah. wonder if that. I think that's a top ten hit. So hopefully we'll cover that mm. someday. Very bizarre video, by the way. I don't know if you're watching it while this is playing, but I'm like not. there's paint and and it's like a modern dance routine, but trying to be tough. I, it's weird. It's weird, but it worked back then. And again. The 1984 me loved this song. I'm not sure the 2021 me loves it as much as then, but um, it's a, it's a, it's a time capsule song, right? It it is, it is on a zillion greatest hits from the eighties album. It's cool. It's fun. I don't want to hear it all the time. No, but, um, but it's fun. It brings back good vibes. It's just a simple pop rock song when it comes down to it. Yeah. Only problem is when I hear, Oh, go ahead. No, with the, the the music video talking with the paint and with colors and whatever, there were a lot of videos just like that at that time for some reason. Yes. You remember the police had one where they were wearing all kinds of crazy felt and everything all over the place. And it was Pat, like performance art yeah, or something. Pat Benatar always had like a dozen people dancing behind her like this. And, and even though know. she couldn't dance at all, no. it was almost embarrassing. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Yeah. The only other problem that I have with the song is anytime I hear the warrior, I, 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 I know this is a non sequitur, but this is what I think of. That's the sound of the warrior. Oh. Am I right? Yeah. Because what happens? What does he say? He, well, it's it's Luther from Forty Eight Hours. They really dry out this scene. This will all make sense in a minute. Warriors <laughs> come out to play. Oh, it's so good. Warriors come out to play. So I was. So, I've tried to make three bottles sound like this, and I can't do it. Well, I can't do it. Isn't that one of the movies that um, we were fascinated by it because we were a little too young to see it, and so we had to wait a couple years or maybe get us somebody to sneak into sneak us into an R-rated movie. Not really that great a movie. It's about gang violence in New York. It's called The Warriors, and so it's like, Damn, I want to see The Warriors, man. That's a badass movie. It's not really that great, is it? Oh. Dare you? Oh, come on. 
I actually went to see this. <laughs> I went to see a midnight showing here in the suburbs. Oh, and really? I was the only person in the entire movie theater. And that freaked me out a little. What? You were yeah, the only there was one? No one else there. No one. <laughs> that would have freaked me out. I would have ran it out. It did. It's, because yeah. it's kind of a spooky movie anyway. I do like anyway. the Can You Dig It scene. That's that's a cool scene. Can you, can dig, you dig it? it? Yes. Okay. Warrior. Okay. So we respect it. We don't love it, but we uh, we appreciate its yeah. presence on this chart. Fair enough? Yeah. And we're, we're fans of Patty Smythe, right? Definitely. 100%. Anytime you want to come on the show, Patty, we'll please do. We'll, oh, man, I would love to we'll talk to her. We're going to throw out an invite. We'll see if we can fit you in. Yes. All right. Back All right. to the machine. Let's go. Number seven. I mean, you and I, this is a, I mean, we're a biased committee here. You and I just happen to like Huey Lewis and the News more than a lot of people are in, right? Love him. And my good friend Ed had a great appearance on this podcast and accused me of not liking them. And I love Huey. You love Huey. I I know you love Huey. I've been there. We've talked about it millions of times. Yes. Let him sing the chorus. Okay. This is look. This is not rock and roll history being made here. It's a simple doo-woppy kind of ditty when it comes down to it, right? And for some reason, it just brings a smile to my face when I hear it. Well, me too. And I, I like a band that takes its influences and takes it a little step further. You know, I grew up with the Jay Giles band in Boston, and their original stuff was really just rhythm and blues, like hard driving rhythm and blues. And they later became really poppy. But you can hear in a lot of Huey songs that the doo-wop, he was obviously obsessed with, you know, all those doo-wop bands from the 50s and, and the harmonies. And when it when it works, it works well. And this is, a, this, yeah. is a, this is a pretty damn good song. We got tired of it. I get it. But this is, of course, this is, if this is it, that's confusing the way I said it. Okay. By Huey Lewis in the news, the fifth of 12 top 10 hits. Peaked, uh, it's number seven here, but peaked at number six. Weirdly. This was their third straight single to peak at number six. Mm. That means six, 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 six. six. Huey Lewis is the devil. devil. (laughs) Some people would argue that. I don't know. Not to us, necessarily. No. It was the fourth single off of sports, which was, you know, all of those singles made the top ten. Sports was an enormous album at the time, at a time of enormous albums. So, you know, it's not like... um, this just happened to be big in an era where music wasn't making its mark. I mean, this was a big era. So let me ask you this. Um, some artists seem to hit their peak too early or, and maybe it bothers them and maybe it doesn't like, I don't know if he was bothered by the fact, but this sports album was, um, it seemed like it could do no wrong. There are five or six, there like four. I, I don't know how many hits you said there are after this album. It was only there, four hits, but you okay. would recognize they played more than that right. on the radio. And some right. of the other songs became very well known, and it was just an immense hit. And 
you know, with a gun to his head, he'd probably say, I'm never going to do better than this. But, you know, if interviewed at the time, he probably would have said, oh, we're just getting started, man, you know, whatever. <laughs> so I wonder if people know because and and do you think bands are aware when they hit their peak or do they think it's always just a, a precursor to something great? You know what I'm asking? I think it's the latter. I don't yeah. think people are. Will- and by the way, I mean, they had half of their top 10 hits following this. So, you know, it's not like right. they were done. They were far from done. Right. But, but when you, if you, have, you have to name, right. If you have to name a Huey album, you're going to say sports, right? I mean, it, that's correct. Yeah. yeah. Without question. Yeah. By the way, funny, their original band name. Do you know what their original band name was? Uh, Huey Lewis and the weather. No, uh, no, it was, uh, it was Newey Lewis and the Hugh. <laughs> no, the original band name was American Express. And their mm. manager finally said, you know, if you'd like to not get sued, I think we should probably change your name. So they did. That was <laughs> what a weird choice. I mean, I, I guess I can see why you wanted to name it that, but yeah, stay away. It's like it when classic American music, but yeah, that, that one's going to get noticed. Do you right? remember what Pearl Jam's original name was? Diners club. No, <laughs> no discover. No, it was, Mo- it was Mookie Blaylock. Yes, which I is, do remember that. Which is that. the name of an above-average basketball player, but to name your band that is just it's kind of confusing, isn't it? <laughs> I had uh, guys I know in high school form a band after college that was named after a guy we went to junior high school with. <laughs> Their band name was Keita Speed. Unfortunately, Keita, I think, lived a difficult life and died in prison or something like that. But anyway. Well, that doesn't even sound like a person it that so maybe it's okay but my, yeah it was not, not like calling yourself mookie blaylock but my brother's band wrote a song about the their biggest fan who was just their buddy who used to hang out with them all the time and his name was david balfour and that was the name of the song david balfour there you go <laughs> that i like it was a pretty good song yeah all right anything else you want to say about this song there's not that much to say the video on the beach kind of got noticed and made fun of a oh, lot. yeah everybody remembers the head the heads in the sand singing doo-wop and you know yeah, it, yeah. I mean, if you had to watch it today, sort of without context, you might laugh at it. But a lot of those videos were like that, and um, well, almost all of them. Almost yes, all. yes. But I don't have much else to say about. No, this, we've other covered than the fact Huey. That He's the always saxophonist awkward. for this. Who co-wrote this song? Once played for Sly and the Family Stone. I thought that was kind of cool. That's not. Chris, that's not Chris Hayes, is it? Johnny Cola, I think, oh. is his name. Cola. Because Chris Hayes was one of the members of the band. I don't. I guess he plays uh, either lead guitar or bass. And he used to call him the kid, which at the time I thought was really cool. And in retrospect, he's he's probably like, why do you call me the kid, Huey? He's like, exactly. you know, on guitar, Chris, the kid, Hayes. And then I've said this before on the pod, but when I was young enough to think it was cool when I saw him in concert and he would uh, introduce the band and then he'd say, my name's Huey Lewis, and you just heard the news. And I thought, oh, yeah, I, like I was like that. to my brothers, I'm like, did you hear what he said? That was so that cool. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, Dave, hold your thought. Yes. Because we're going to hear from Huey a little bit later in this countdown. Uh-huh. But before we do that, I just want to prepare you. Uh-oh. We're about to have a religious experience. Oh, Will you boy. get us back into the machine? Here we go. Number six. Gather around. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to get through this thing called life. Electric word, life, it means forever, and that's a mighty long time. But I'm here to tell you. Testify. There's something else. 
Jimmy, hold me down. Yeah. <laughs> this is your treasure of melt. You can always see the sun. Starting to get excited. Oh, night. Hit it. So when you call up that shrink in Beverly Hills, you know the one. Doctor, everything will be all right. Do it, Brent. <laughs> Never gets old. Weird, right? Never Am I right? Old. Yeah, and, I, and you and, and it gets better as the song goes on. Yeah, and I don't think I appreciated it at the time. I'm sure I didn't. Not only that, I didn't appreciate him enough in his lifetime. And as I've said before to you, he's probably my biggest miss in terms of someone I will never see in concert. And you saw him. Oh, I'm jealous. Just <laughs> enormous. Yeah. Just enormous miss. Because it, well, anyway, let's get into the details. This, of course, is "Let's Go Crazy" by Prince and the Revolution. It is the fourth of 19 top 10 songs for Prince and was his second song to hit number one. So it's number six here, but he had five overall number one hits. And this was his second uh, following When Doves Cry from the same soundtrack to Purple Rain. And by the way, when he died, this song re-entered the charts and actually hit number 25. So he almost made the top 20 again after he passed away. And unlike you, I remember seeing the opening to Purple Rain in the movie theater, which opened with this song. And as yeah. soon as this song started playing on the big screen in the great sound in the theater, I was hooked. Yeah. And to me, he seemed almost to change the definition of what cool was to me. You know, I'm 1984. I'm a classic rock guy. You know, you're wearing blue jeans. You're not too flashy, whatever it may be. Mm. He gets up there with the purple suits and the twirling and the dancing and whatever. And I was like, you know what? That's fucking cool. Yeah. And I knew it back in 1984. Yeah. Well, did he borrow from some, from like a James Brown, maybe just yeah, borrow just, liberally. He did. Okay. Yeah. Just showman, showmanship, the costumery. And yet what was kind of unique about him was he was almost like he had this air about him. Like, don't look at me. Like, don't look at me. Like, almost, oh yeah. It was like, mean? look at me, but don't, you know, right. I'm yeah. Shy. yeah. Right, I'm right, the right, devil. Right. I'm a God, you know, whatever. It may yeah. Be. And this, this song is actually about avoiding the devil's temptation. When he talks about, let's not take the de-elevator to bring us down. Right. That's going down to hell. So, and you know, he I never know that. a more righteous path. Which so is wait, punching a higher floor. Hold on. It's not de-elevator, like the opposite of an elevator, right? It's just D like it's the elevator. He's just saying de-elevator. Right? I don't know. De-elevate. That's, yeah. Apparently, that's what the lyric is. Oh, it is? I, he was not okay. the best lyricist, in my mind. Well, I, 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 for years, and sorry if I'm stepping on a point, but I, for years, never knew what the line... You're not going to pull it on me this time. Right after the elevator line, he says, punch a higher floor. And he, I didn't know that was the line until he died. And just, I think that's so cool. And uh, do you it's want... It's a great, it's you, a great line. You want to pay, that a, I do l- like. pay a little respect to the guitar solo for a sec? Please. It's like a perfect ending. Yeah, it's like a blues song ending, but it gets louder. Right. Almost there. 
and then he kicks it at the end. Here, we'll do it. You have to go yeah, to the that end. Was, that was it. Yeah. I was hooked. Yeah. I was hooked. You know what's he interesting? Says, he says, and take I, me away at the end, right? Take me away. Take right, me away. right. Yeah, it's okay. just, oh, man, what a way to start an album, a movie, whatever it may be. And I bet. And I, I, do I think bet, this I, is what made him a superstar. Sorry. I keep stepping anyway. I bet in concert that guitar solo went on for like 12 minutes, right? You I mean, could do anything with that. Right. And speaking of interesting uses of that guitar solo, also in the 80s, I don't know if you remember. Public Enemy had this album, uh, Fear of a Black Planet, which was the album uh, which had um, uh, Fight the Power Fight the on power, it, things yeah. like that. Yeah. He had a great, they had a great song on that album called Brothers Gonna Work It Out that I remember like feeling like really connected to the music, this discordant music that was playing in that. Suddenly I realized much, much later, that's the Prince guitar solo. Can you play the cut of uh, Public Enemy? Yeah. <laughs> Now listen closely. Okay. Not yet, but it's coming. Now. Not just yet. Okay. Here it comes. Your bad self. Oh. You hear that? I do. That is a wow. sample of the Prince guitar solo played over and over and over yeah. in a loop. So wow. cool. I know. Um, so cool on both of them. Like, great, great, uh, great use of it by Public Enemy. But those well, guys. How often, by the way, do you hear a guitar solo that literally is a solo with no other right. instruments playing? And that's what Prince somehow got you to listen to. On the radio in 1984. What, um, I, I might have this wrong, but do you know what they meant by fear of a black planet? I think that people were afraid of the power of, of you know, of blacks if they were to unite and, and fight the power. In general, I think you're right, but I had a guy told me once, no, you know what that is? That's, um, you know, white mom, white dad, white baby, black mom, black dad, black baby, but mixed couple, black baby. So, event, oh, so interesting. So, so they were saying people were scared of multiculturalism and things like that, right? But that if you do the math, eventually at some point, everyone will be black. I mean, oh. I mean like, or will outnumber, you know. So, um, and I, they were they were sort of pointing out people's fear of that happening. Exactly. That's, that's right. interesting. Right. Didn't think of that. Yeah. Okay. Now, okay. Going back to "Let's Go Crazy," classic song, still holds up a hundred percent. A hundred percent. Very little room. I've heard it a thousand times. I want to hear it a thousand more. Yep. But it does make this kind of thing a little disappointing. Bad remake. Take cover. So let's go crazy. It may have religious themes. It's a party song, right? It's yep. about party. Mm-hmm. Why the folks at relaxing piano covers <laughs> thought this would be a good idea is beyond me. Oh, boy. Hit it. Here we go. Worse than elevator music. I think I could play this. Oh my god! It's, yeah, no, it's not, a sin. There's also nothing relaxing about it either. <laughs> no, so, I would, I would hit the D elevator if this you, was playing in the elevator. I would punch a lower floor. 
<laughs> get the hell off. Can't get lower than that. Yes. Right. God, I miss Prince, Good. man. Again, yeah. you're right. I, I was much more into him than you were. I wish I had hooked you. That's my my loss. Well, I should have hooked you when I had the chance. Yeah, instead you hooked me on um poison. No, you didn't like poison. I was trying to think of something. Um oh the, the, girls. No, the, the Georgia satellites. You missed me on Prince, but you <laughs> you you schooled me. You schooled like me that. on the Georgia satellites. But um no, just one final question on Prince. Well, I'm sure we'll yeah. talk about him again on the pod sometime soon. But, um, you know, the guitarist for, maybe that's a bad example. I was going to say like the Joe Perry from Aerosmith. I do think he's a great guitarist, but I don't know if I could recognize his style if I heard it like in a vacuum. Same for like, uh, who was Led Zeppelin's? Uh, oh, Jimmy Page, obviously. Maybe mm-hmm. that's a bad example because now I'm talking about icons. But what I'm, my point is with Prince, uh, he, he famously went on this crazy solo in the posthumous tribute to George Harrison when George Harrison was inducted as a solo artist into the Hall of Fame. They still play Same that. year that Prince was inducted. So he was sort of oh, inducting okay. himself, too. Yeah. Right. He, he was uh, allowing himself to introduce himself. And uh, <laughs> they, they still play that as part of the presentation. If you go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, you sit in a the theater and that's part of the and it's mind-blowing. We don't need to play it now. We've probably played it before on the pod. But what I'm saying is, it, how many guys can just pick up, like uh, they said, like you could go to a hockey game and you could see great hockey players play, but you'll never forget Gretzky because immediately, whether he scored a goal or not, you could see immediately he was the best guy on the ice. And immediately when Prince picks up the guitar, you can hear, like I don't care if you don't know anything about music, you just go, holy shit. Right? Like how many, is, how many musicians are like that? That's my question. On that stage with him during that song, there is Tom Petty. Right. There is Jeff Lynn from Electric Orchestra. There's Danny Harrison, you know, George's son. The second Prince steps on the stage into the spotlight, they don't exist anymore. They might as well have been Murph and the Magic Tones. And the <laughs> best part about watching the video, especially the extended version, if you can, of that solo, is to watch Tom Petty's face. And he's in awe while it's that. Right. One and, of the- Tom, and Prince sees that Tom Petty is in awe. And Prince says, yeah, I'm doing this. Yeah. Which is just the greatest. Uh, Man, classic moment. I miss yeah, the guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not personally, but. Yeah. Wow. I got I to gotta slow down here. Whew, take a shower. He's one, give of, me, he's, give me a he's one of your boys. Is he, he's, he's your top, top three. three. Top three. Stevie. My top three are the Beatles, uh, Prince, and, and Stevie Wonder. Okay. Yeah. Good. Those are my three. Maybe the next artist will match. Let's find out, Dave. I don't know. I don't know. But let's go. Number five. He's back. Mother of God. Stuck on you. I've got this feeling that I just can't lose. Guess I'm on my way. <laughs> Need any friend? So, Dave. And the way I'm feeling, I I'll be with you. Yes. <laughs> I have something to share. Guess I'm on uh, okay. I don't hate this song. I'd go at you, but you're kind of damning with faint praise, aren't you? I don't hate this song. Yes. 
All right, so this is Stuck on You by Lionel Richie. Now, Lionel, as we all know, has been an occasional punching bag of this podcast because it just so happens a lot of his really sappy ballads happen to hit the top 10. But we did celebrate him for all night long. And I'm going to mildly celebrate him for this song. Mildly. Well, enjoy your one-person celebration. Yeah, okay, so here we go. Um, This is the best I can do. Okay. So this was the eighth of 13. This is pretty amazing. He had 13 consecutive top 10 singles. 13 in a row. This one uh, is number five here, but peaks at number three. This was the fourth of five singles from Can't Slow Down. And if memory serves, the album Can't Slow Down beat Purple Rain and I think Born in the USA for album of the year at the Grammys, which is a sin. We've discussed it before. We're just going to ignore that. Um, But what what I kind of like about this song is it's, it's really a country song. When it comes down yeah. to it, I mean, he he sings the lyric "Mighty Glad You Stayed," which nobody in his you know R and B community with the Commodores was saying "Mighty Glad You Stayed." True. It almost seems like a Kenny Rogers song, and we had talked about this before. Lionel wrote some songs, I believe, for Kenny Rogers in the past, and maybe he wanted to try it for himself. In fact, I think he was trying to do what Stevie Wonder used to do, um, which was expand his kind of musical genre horizons. He just does it a little bit more awkwardly. Um, what the I fuck were we thinking? Yeah, I knew you were going to do that. I knew you were going to do that. It makes a little more sense, by the way, knowing that later, much later, in 2012, he ended up recording an entire album of country music remakes of his own songs, including this one. Hmm. He duets on this song with Darius Rucker from Hootie and the Blowfish and his own country music. And it was a number one album, by the way. The album was called Tuskegee. It hit number one on the charts in 2012. So country music fans and Lionel Richie fans loved it. I don't know. All right. Well, you know, I I know you're doing your job and throwing in some respect. He's, He's this international musical star that's done quite well for himself. And... Maybe he's just not my jam. I do like his upbeat songs. We've talked about it ad nauseum. Um, this is not love, upbeat. It's nice. It's not upbeat. Yeah. I love my luggage tag that uh, Superfan Lara gave us both, which has... And the, John. Don't and forget sorry, Laura and John. Sorry, John. Um, which says... Uh, what does it say? Hello again. It says hello. hello. Um, oh, is it me uh, you're looking for or whatever? Exactly. Because, yeah, you know, you're looking for your bag. Yeah, so I like... It's genius. I don't want to live in a world without Lionel Richie. He seems like a super nice guy. I just stuck on you. Stuck on you. Come on. Okay. All no. right. All right. I'm with you. Stick with Although if this is it, is I, well, yeah, I hear you. Uh, no, I'll, I'm trying not to be a downer. Okay. All right. Well, we, we've got ground to cover here, so maybe we should, I mean, no offense. Let's, let's move on. Let's shall move we? Let's on. get let's back to the machine. Yep. Number four. This is religious, too, in its own way. I suppose. Cats and dogs living together. (laughs) If you missed the title, if you missed the title of the song, don't worry. It's coming up about two dozen more times. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, and apparently, by the way, the producers of the film 
required that the song be in the title, or the title of the movie be in the song repeatedly. So well, must have got, been a challenge. They got their wish. Yeah. So yes, this is uh, first of all very memorable songs on this countdown. So far. Oh, you got to admit that big time. This is a huge hit. This is Ghostbusters by Ray Parker Jr., one of two top 10 hits that Parker Jr. had in his life. And this is number four, but had hit number one for three weeks as the you know the number one movie swept the country uh, over the summer, I believe, in 1984. Um, interesting history of this song, though, which uh, let me uh, ramble a little bit Please as don't. I talk about it. So the producers wanted, like I said, they needed a title song for the movie, and they originally approached... Lindsay Buckingham, hmm. who had had success with the song Holiday Road from National Lampoon's Vacation. Vacation They're like, sure. hey, he's our guy. He can do a thing. But he turned it down. Mm-hmm. He didn't want to be the movie. You know how Kenny Loggins just embraced the fact that he was like the movie song guy? Yes. Lindsay Buckingham didn't want that. Okay. All right, Lindsay. So they ended up approaching Ray Parker Jr. There's a step in the middle there that I haven't gotten to, but I will in a minute. They I approached think I know him. what it is. Go ahead. He agreed to do it, but he couldn't figure out how to do it with that movie title of the song, you know. Um, but then one night he's watching late night TV. He sees a commercial on the air, this cheesy local late night TV commercial. Mm-hmm. And he remembered that there was a commercial for the Ghostbusters in the movie. And he said, wait a minute, I can structure the song almost like it's an ad for oh. the Ghostbusters. And that's how he wrote it to constantly weave that name. So he had the script? They hadn't shot that scene in the movie yet, I take it. Uh, He had more than the script. And here's where it gets really kind of funky. Um, He had actually seen a rough cut of the film. Oh, they had a rough cut of the film before the song. Interesting. Okay. Now, and this is where things get a little tricky with the song. Play another clip from Is it still playing? Oh, yeah. This is kind of the the spooky interlude. Need some spook. Actually, that's kind of funny as an aside. Uh, a hip-hop artist actually made a, a song using Bustin' Makes Me Feel Good said over and over and over again just as a sexual metaphor. <laughs> okay, kind well, of funny. well, yeah. But anyway, <laughs> here's where things get funky. I told you that our friend Huey Lewis was going to make a reappearance, and he's about to make it here. So this is fairly well-known, but Huey Lewis I think we. Sued. I think we covered the other song on the podcast. Did we? I'm not sure, but I feel like we've had this conversation before, but maybe our uh, listeners... It may have don't... been so long ago. I forgot, but we're going to go in deep here. Okay, right? go ahead. Yep. So Huey Lewis sued Ray Parker Jr. for plagiarizing his hit, I Want a New Drug. Right. Um, and rather than us trying to play the two songs or whatever, I found a clip that a YouTuber put together mm. that puts the two songs together, just raises, I think, the pitch of the Huey Lewis song a little bit, but Play this clip and you'll see the similarities. They're pretty heavy. These are the songs being played simultaneously. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like a one song, but although. Although I, yeah. I guess you so, could argue, well, yes, very suspicious. And I mean, you're going to tell us what happened and it wasn't an accident. However, this is kind of manipulative because there are a lot of songs that have the same beat that if you play, them, if you play them together, they'll sound kind of harmonious. But anyway, go ahead. 
This was so similar, though, that he sued and they did settle out of court. You know, Ray Parker Jr. or somebody had to pay Huey Lewis a ton of money. Right. But as part of that settlement, Huey Lewis and Ray Parker Jr. had, what is it, a gag clause? They weren't allowed to discuss the settlement or anything about the music and their similarities. They were prohibited from discussing it. NDC, NDC, come on, man. Non-disclosure. Non-disclosure. I guess non-disclosure. Yeah. So, But in a 2001 episode of the classic Behind the Music series on VH1, this one about the history of Huey Lewis and the news, Huey Lewis was asked about this song in the lawsuit, and he talked about it. Will you give me that clip? Sure. And so now, because Huey Lewis did that on Behind the Music, Ray Parker Jr. sued him <laughs> for, for and breaking. won. <laughs> well, well, I don't know if he won, but they settled. So Ray Parker Jr. has been quoted as saying, yeah, that uh, that little Behind the Music thing made me some cash, which is pretty funny. Interesting. But in the end, finally, just to wrap this up, mm-hmm. in 2004, the filmmakers of Ghostbusters admitted that they had asked Huey originally to do a song for the movie. This is the part you've talked about on the podcast before. Okay. <laughs> but that's he okay. No, that's okay. It's part of the story. They ahead, used, yeah. Right. They used I Want a New Drug as temporary music placeholders right. on the rough cut. And when they sent it to Ray Parker Jr., it had I Want a New Drug in the soundtrack of the film. And he either subconsciously or consciously right. wrote the song to mirror that. Does so that, that makes yeah. sense? Yeah, and it's just it's. I'm glad you mentioned it because it's an important part of the story. It, it's just incredibly incriminating that they go to Huey. We want a Huey song for this, and so then they're like, "Well, we can't get Huey." Hey, Ray Parker Jr., do a Huey like song, and you know, I mean, uh, right? Yeah. By the that's way, kind of what happened. You know what I've decided? The song sucks. It's terrible. <laughs> it's terrible. And I and I listened to it, and I, I had it on my oh. cassette tapes. But you know, you loved it. I loved there, it back right? then. I loved it, but but. But I've come to learn that there is something. There's no way I would have liked it with, if not for the movie, right? Is there any way? I don't, I don't think so. It, it was one of those things that the movie was such a huge phenomenon that right. it probably carried the song with it, yeah. right? Yeah, and I just, I, I maybe I, I just thought the whole thing, and like I had the T-shirt, and and uh, but is it is it remotely a good song? Like j- just the song, not not the not even the. Well, you know, any part uh, of it, other than, if you separate it completely from the movie, it's terrible, right? I mean, the lyrics are cheesy. The I guess for Austin ha- makes me feel good, Dave, though. I agree with that. If you're all alone, I'm going to make you hate song. it even more, Dave. Okay. Because uh, I know we did one already, but we got to do it again. Bad remake. Take cover. It is going to shock you that in France in 2005, an animated turtle named Michael Turtle or Mikael Turtle, whatever, <laughs> had a number five hit with this. Oh, sacre bleu. What is going on? This is the song. This is the whole thing? He's talking in like turtle or, or is he talking in French? I can't tell. 
He's not talking at all right now, but that's number five in France. Well. Very, very strange. I mean, this is like... It's a horror show. Michael's a turtle. Who's that guy? Michael's a turtle. Okay, I, I can't, at, I least, at least we, I, we get him saying Michael the turtle. My, that, that, is, that is bizarre. That is... Uh, I might rather hear the relaxing <laughs> piano cover. That is like a bad acid trip. Like you took, you, you, uh, took some drugs while Ghostbusters was playing... And imagine the so turtles bad. singing over it. Very, very strange. That was a number five hit. Okay, good pull though. It's funny. I'm, I'm, I'm interested though that you didn't like, you don't like the song because I, I think it Dude. was definitely loved back then. And Ray Parker Jr. is kind of great, but this is a. I think you're right. It's well, I, not that good a song. And I think he's probably embarrassed by it, and probably has been for much of his career. No, he was asked if he was sick of the song, and this was his quote. I quote. To this day, people ask me, are you tired of hearing people say, who are you going to call? And he said, no. It's like, am I tired of holding the best lotto ticket or the best thing <laughs> to ever happen to me? No. Now, that's well, not so much he loves the song, but he knows what the song meant to his well, financial. And you future. know what? Good for him. Good for him. Because yeah. you know how we, we say, um, you know, artists will sometimes say, oh, my early stuff was crap. And yet they're just making money off it and everything. And, you know, own it own it you know why not own it like um michael the turtle is embarrassed though he's embarrassed <laughs> he emailed before like i show. mean to, to to do a call back to mr t who we somehow mentioned earlier in the show <clears throat> if if people come up to him and say um ah, pitiful whatever uh you would like to think he would say it's nice people remember me you know, whatever. I agree. You know, good. I so, hope. I hope that's so. Truth. Good for Ray Parker Jr. But he he got um, you know tapped to do this vehicle of a song. Is there any more sort of corporate creation of a hit song? I mean, I, you know what I mean. People We've, come up to us twenty years from now and say, "Hey, what the fuck are you thinking?" <laughs> I will be pleased. What? Oh, <laughs> what is that? Your catchphrase? What do you mean? Well, that's the, it's oh, the jingle. Oh, 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 this. What the fuck were we thinking? Well, you said it weird. You threw me off. I don't know. Well, you know how they, yeah, you know, they get it wrong sometimes. Correct. Let's get enough of this. Let's get back in the machine. <laughs> no more sociological analysis of Ghostbusters. Okay, <laughs> maybe you're right. Not. Maybe we should go. Number three. That I like now more than I did back in 1984. Wish I could disagree with you. Sometimes it just comes back to us sharing the same brain. I was just thinking. I, oh, I was just thinking that this not only does it hold up, but it's it's got this cool vibe that I feel like I had forgotten almost. You know, totally. Anyway, yeah. So tell God, us, tell us about you it. and I. I yeah. want our listeners know we don't talk about this stuff no. before the podcast. No, we're we're looking at each other, going which way you're going to go and. Yeah, I, I, this song, I loved it at the time. I think I love it more now. Yeah. Oh, here comes this the chorus. This is the chorus, yeah, is yeah. it? Yeah, here it comes. So, yes, of course, this is... Is this the chorus? Oh, this is the chorus. 
That's enough, I guess. Yeah, I guess that's good. This is She Bop by Cindy Lauper. The uh, third of she had eight top ten hits. I mm. I always forget how many she had. You know, I thought she was a much more focused. You know, her first album and then nothing else. No, she had eight top ten hits. Uh, this song peaks here at number three. It's the third single off of her debut album called She's So Unusual. Uh, Girls Just Want to Have Fun and Time After Time. This followed both of those. And yeah, there's nothing subtle here, and she doesn't try to explain it away. She-bop is about female masturbation. What? Simple oh as that. Oh, my God. Jesus. Oh, I'm emba- uh, I've embarrassed you. We've lost our listeners in the Midwest. No, no, I, she I, I, I knew that. She actually did say... Well, she fully admits this. At a concert, uh, I think in Paris, she said, a bop a day keeps the doctor away, so I recommend it. But she did say when the song came out initially and and was released as a single, she knew she had very young fans, and she said she hoped that kids would think it's about dancing. I think she pulled it off. I mean, I think she did. did, The video and her look. Yeah, and I I didn't know it was about masturbation for probably at least a couple years after it was out. Like, really? I just thought it was one, you know, Cindy Lauper is fun. You know, girls just want to have fun and look at all the colors on my outfit. And and sh- and I thought she bop was just kind of fun, you know. And a bop is a dance. Yeah, I felt exactly. Like female empowerment, you know, girls exactly. dancing or whatever it is. But no, it was not. Uh, by the way, the guys from the Hooters play on this and most of this album. They were big musicians and Cindy Lauper hired them. Philly, yo. Yeah, there you go. They're from Philly. I. You know, this song, when you hear that hook at the beginning, it's almost like a um, new wave-ish Go-Go's kind of song, right? Exactly. You can see the Go-Go's playing this song, the early Go-Go's. Yeah, it's a little bit punk, a little bit... Um, the word. The word I keep thinking of is almost subversive, like like almost like Devo, like like that kind of punk. Like, But um, she adds just enough pop layer to it to make it right. digestible right and make it fun and it, it it so it's weird and lovable at the same time and in I 1984 i guess we were ready for that i agree i, I think it, it it this is the kind of sign that gets lost i think i mean people cindy lopper hasn't uh, gone anywhere she, in fact i just saw her yesterday on tv doing an ad for a uh, psoriasis medication which is nice um, and she's got the is kink. Is that really true? She's doing psoriasis yes. ads? Yes. Oh, damn it. <laughs> but uh, but she has, she the, has a Broadway show. Yes, yeah, yeah. And that's I think that's mentioned in the psoriasis ad. The, <laughs> the kinky boots, which is nice. No, we all love Cyndi Lauper, but, but usually, you know, her place in pop culture is like, girls just want to have fun and maybe time after time and and her dancing around. And this is one of these songs that kind of showed she could step out a little bit and do something a little bit different and cooler. I don't think I appreciated it back then, but I appreciate it now. Fair enough? Yeah, you know, it's also fair. What's fair? Ooh. It's time for the playdate! It's time for the playdate. And um, even though I didn't realize this song was about self-gratification, the staff here at Past Tense has prepared a list of other, other songs from rock history or maybe just musical history that have to do with pleasuring oneself in the privacy oh, of dear. one's home. Once again, yep. family audience. Well, these are, these are all mainstream songs. So there's, there's, and so they're either songs that are winking a nod about such actions or they are, uh, they mention it in the song. Okay. Oh, and so, okay. and so as, as we will do How on many the play, do we have? we've got uh, seven, I believe <laughs> seven. Yep. Gotcha. Um, 
I, I can do this. Okay, yes. So as we will do, I will play a brief snippet of the song, and Milt will attempt to tell me what... Some of these are super easy. You want the easy ones first? Oh, here's the first one. Oh, pump It Up by Elvis Costello. Right. Which I didn't realize was about this topic until I read recently. But yeah, trust me, it's about staying at home and taking care of yourself. All right. This one, uh, this is the easiest one, but I'll just give it to you. Did you hear that? Come on, a little violent fan. Right. Now, did you know this song was about that? No, are you sure it is? Yeah, well, I'll for this one, I'll I'll find some uh, some lyrics because it's a great song, isn't it? Uh, another classic. Yeah. Um, Violent Femmes, Blister in the Sun. Big Hands. Yeah, Blister oh, from big, Masturbating? Okay. Big Hands. Well, yes. I mean, you don't actually, but that would be the kind of joke you would make to someone, right? Um, Interesting. Big, 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 big Hands. Big Hands. I know you're the one. I know you're the one. Body and Beats. I stain my sheets. I don't even know why. All right. Do I need to drop Never a picture for you people? put that together. Okay. This one you should get earlier because it's a callback to something. How do we talk about that? Give me some prints, some darling Nikki. Right. Masturbating with a magazine. Exactly. Right. <laughs> now, that's the song is just about the woman, right? But he's. He, he, well, he's. Uh, he, she calls him in. They have a night together. And, and But he encounters her while she is masturbating with a magazine as the. Right. Either literally or figuratively. We're not okay. sure, but Tipper Gore at the time was not happy about it. Okay. <laughs> All right. This one. This is a song, you should get this one in zero notes. So if I, if you just had to guess, this is a song uh, about masturbation. If I'm going to guess, yes. it's going to be Turning Japanese by The Vapor. Yes! We have the same brain, my friend. I'm so proud of you! All right. It's really, not only is it sort of an inappropriate topic song, but I guess if you oh, think about it, it's terribly racist, right? Terrible. Just <laughs> terrible. Yes. All right. We've got uh, three more. How about this one? A little more subtle. All right. Oh, this is Green Day. That's this right. Is, um, basket Case, is it? No. No, this is... Um... This is one of these songs that you know it and you don't necessarily. Paradise. No, not Welcome to Paradise. No. No, but it's. Sit around and watch the tube, but nothing's I just can't remember the name. I know. This I, is I, one I of love these. This me too. This is one of the songs that you don't necessarily remember the name. It's, it's, it's called, called Long, That's right. It's called Longview. That's it. Which I don't even think they said. Is this the bit? Hold on. I'm sick of all the same old shit in the Oh, that's not it. There's a line in there that says when masturbation's lost, it's uh, blah, blah, blah. Okay. This one, famous band, not as famous a song. You might get it. I don't know. Sorry. Oh, it's the police. Um, right. with Be My Girl. Wow, right? Milt. That's really good. I didn't know if you're going to pull it. So I, I guess this falls into the category because it's a very strange song, right? With an, Here's that, it's that spoken interlude, yes. right? Yes. And it's all about a sex doll, right? Yes, correct. Yeah, that is correct. Yeah. It's it's weird. This part of the song is fine. This part of the song, but the the interlude is, and I don't even know if it's Sting talking. It's someone with a very 
thick and kind of creepy British accent. Anyway, early police though, man, they were great. Is that it? Do we do we do we do it? Last one coming up. Wait, what? Are you giving me? Oh, because Captain Jack yes. uses the masturbation yes. line in Captain Jack. You're you right. Well done. Yeah, there's a there's a it's Billy Joel, Captain Jack. For true fans, will know it's one of his uh, early classics. And um, how the line says something about uh, your, your sister's out, she's on a date. You just sit at home and masturbate. That's it. And uh, you know, Jimmy's been in the bathroom for a long time. Now. <laughs> oh, Jimmy. Have you no Jimmy, shame, sir? <laughs> You're gonna go blind. <laughs> he's, he's, that was a good play date, Dave. Well done. I'm glad you enjoyed it, and we got through it without too many um, awkward moments. But you did very well on that one as well. There, couple of a uh, couple of deep pulls. So uh, doesn't speak well of me that that's the one I do <laughs> so well on, does it? I thought you whacked it up nicely. What? Oh no! <laughs> what? Oh, no. Okay. Hmm sticky fingers all right let's all right. um let's get back in the machine why not we've only got two songs left let's go that's it yep number two what's the name of the song <laughs> Every time I think of you I always catch my breath And I'm still standing right, We can talk about I feel like this song is still played a lot Yeah, I think you hear it in the supermarket and stuff Right, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm not sure yeah. what it is This is Missing You, as if you didn't know By an artist named John Waite His only top ten hit as a solo artist Was, was a number one hit Peaked at number one for one week Hmm. Um, yeah, he was, and he, this was his solo hit, but he was originally the lead singer of a band called the babies, which they have a great song called, isn't it time? That was not a top 10 hit. So we're going to have to figure out a way to substitute that song. Oh. Cause I love that song. Okay. And he was later the, um, bad English lead singer for a band called band English. Yeah. Exactly. With, um, members of journey and the babies themselves. So, um, he went solo after it, the babies really never broke through in a big way. Cor- chorus melt, sorry. Yeah. Since you've been gone, away, I ain't missing you. No matter what yeah. Now, this is another one of those songs that gets a little more interesting when you think about it. Okay. So the song is Missing You, so it's a love song, right? You know, Missing You. So Wait was married and lived in England at the time, but moved to New York in order to record this album and left his wife behind, right? Mm -hmm. He missed her, but he also didn't miss her. And some people say this song is kind of about that conflict, Mm. that maybe I should be missing this person more. So, um, you know, he wrote, he says that thing where all of a sudden he says, I ain't missing you at all. Mm. Um, and the question oh. is, is he really in the other people are saying he's trying to convince himself that he doesn't miss the woman, but he really, truly, does. that's the but, way I interpreted it. Like yeah. I am missing you at all, even though I can't miss you, you know, you're probably right, but it could go either way that he and his wife did get divorced relatively <laughs> soon after this. Can well, you imagine she's listening to the song? Saying, I guess I'm wrong. Which way you <laughs> He says he wrote the lyrics in 10 minutes, by the way, which, again, I find that pretty incredible. Um, I don't have that much else to say about this. I mean, 
I kind of want to hate this song, but I kind of don't. It's it's almost like that Lionel song, but maybe its familiarity to me is what keeps it sort of yeah. nostalgically fun. That, yeah. It's not your type of tune. No, but I don't mind it. But it, it reminds me that for a while, John Waite was kind of the shit. He had another song that I just looked it up. It, it didn't go any further than number 37, but it was called Tears. You remember that song? Oh, I thought you were going to say Changes, I think it was. Changes, Tears. Or Change? Change, change. I don't know. Uh, yeah, he's got a song change. called... He's got a song called Change that uh, peaked at number 54. But come on, stick with me in the 30s here. Also, Tears. every step of the way. I remember Tears. The, the, uh, well, I'm not going to play it, but kind of a kind of a jamming song. Also, a little bit like Melancholy. Obviously, the song is called Tears. But and then, but I think the most memorable song he sang on might have been When I See You Smile with um, Modern. That was Modern. Uh, Modern Bad English, Bad right? English. Yeah. When, that, that's, that was a that was a big hit. He had two top ten hits with Bad English, and that was yeah. one of them. Okay. Anyway, I I get nothing against John Waite. I think he's got a, he had a cool, distinctive voice. The song, the music's a little wimpy. Other than a that, little bit. Thanks. For he coming. could rock out, but yeah. he he was sort of like little hairy. I don't know, not hairy. <laughs> I mean, he did have the big hair. He had the big eighties. Oh hair. yeah, yeah, yeah. But so he was trying to be sort of hair metalish, but ballady at the same time. Yeah, like Richard Marks kind of. Yeah. Like, he looked like a. Um, he they looked, looked like, like Richard Marx, didn't he? Well, somewhere between you know Richard Marx and John Bon Jovi, I think he had the he had the the, the hair metal hair, but not so much the metal. Not yeah, I, guess, I, think <laughs> I that's guess yeah. I don't know. We've probably talked about him enough, but look, have. one thing I will say: so far in this countdown, every single song has been recognized. We have had no. Um, never heard of it. These are all sort of well-known popular songs. Yeah. I can't imagine what's going to be at the top of this list, mm. but let us find out. We have reached the time for us to find out who topped the week in 1984. Hit it, Dave. Let's go. Number one. This works. She had some hair, by the way. Oh, Talk yeah. about hair. Bigger than John Wade. Oh, yeah. yeah. You must understand The touch of your hand Makes my folks react That it's only the thrill Of boy meeting girl Opposites attract It's physical I mean, this is how you do a slow song While remaining cool at yeah. the same time, right? It's got, it's There's got that something groove. sultry about it. I agree. And it's the groove. You're yeah. right. Let her sing the chorus. Here it comes. Yeah, I think this holds up pretty good. I think I like it better than I did back then. Well, again, I think we matured, and there's something about that synth line that yeah. is at the beginning that is just so, it draws you in. Um, a signature of hers, because I've heard that on some of her other songs, too. Yeah, yeah that's true. She stuck with it, no doubt about that. This, this of course, is the legendary Tina Turner, which with probably the signature song of her solo career, What's Love Got to Do With It? It was the first of six solo top ten hits she had, and her only number one song. Um, but it was a big number one song. It ended up the year 1984 as the number two record of the year. 
And it was celebrated as the song that returned her to legendary status. And there's some really interesting facts about this song. First of all, it won Record of the Year and Song of the Year at the Grammys. That's, it was an incredibly well-respected song. But she was 44 years old at the time this song came out. And at the time, she was the oldest female solo artist to ever have a number one song. Um, which is kind of interesting because she still was considered a sex appeal kind of artist, even at that point in time. Do you know who replaced her eventually, by the way? See if you can guess. Who replaced her what? As the oldest solo female artist to ever have a number one record. Uh, Whitney? No. Uh, 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 Helen Mirren? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. It's a song I hate, but people love. I don't know. Oh, uh, the answer is share with uh, the song. Believe it was right. Um, It was right there in front of my face. Okay. It's also kind of funny. This also set the record for the longest time between an artist's first charted hit and their first number one, the longest year. It took 24 years between when Tina Turner had a top, uh, a hit back when she was with Ike and for this to hit number one. That record was also broken by Cher, which well, is irritating. I bet yeah, there's like some sort of Tina hates Cher thing going on. Well, but, um, and I'll probably, you'll probably get to some of this, but you talk about this being sort of her signature hit. It, it didn't used to be, I mean, but right until, the, which is why her story now told twice, one by being portrayed by Angela Bassett in the film, which is, this, this is the name of the film, right? What What's Correct. that got to do that with it? That is the name of the film. And then we we saw it recently in the documentary. In the documentary. And, she, you know, if you had to pick a signature song for her in her early career, it would probably be uh, Proud Mary, right? Definitely. Roll, rolling Definitely on the River. Proud Mary. But that was, that was with Ike. It was that, a different with, with phase Ike, of her life. But, I mean, a completely brilliant song, rocking song. It would have been no shame if that were the peak of her musical career. But given what was going on in her personal life and Ike obviously beating the shit out of her um, and her having to come back from all that. Now we know this. This is why you make movies out of people like this. Right. She, she, I mean, do you think I mean, um, she was done. Dave. Right. She was right. done. Right. Toast. The record label took a chance on her releasing this album. She was finished. And this became and huge. huge. Yeah. Superstar. Yeah. Superstar. Yeah. By the way, funny thing. This was supposed to be a Donna Summer song. Donna Summer was given this song. She sat on it for a couple of years and never ended up recording it. Eventually, it made its way to Tina, and it worked. Tina didn't write her own song. She always wrote, mm-hmm. uh, sang other people's songs, which right. is fine because she had such power. She brought her own energy to it. But I, I still think it's the synths at the beginning that make this sultry. But the vocals are great, too. You know, She's basically telling her lover that she's fine with their relationship being all about the sex, and it feels right coming out of her. Absolutely right. I don't think it's her best solo song. I would I would actually take simply the best over this, but now I'm mm. I'm probably splitting hairs now. So I don't like that song as much. Yeah. <laughs> but look, I, I do know this. I, I had said before I was very classic rock oriented around this time. And yeah, Prince started to sort of change my point of view a little bit, but I still remember hearing this song and liking it. I think I've I've grown to appreciate it more over time, but I even liked it a little bit back then. I just didn't know who Tina Turner was at this point. I didn't. I didn't know her background. Later, I found that out. But classic song, hell of a way to, you know, and a pretty memorable countdown, I got to say, right? Huge. Why don't you give us the recap of the top 10? All right. Sorry, Tina, but we got to go. The top 10 melt per requested from the week ending September 8th, 1984. 
Number 10 was Drive the Cars. Number 9, Sunglasses at Night, Corey Hart. Number 8, The Warrior, Scandal featuring Patty Smythe. Number 7, If This Is It, Huey Lewis and the News. Number 6, Let's Go Crazy, Prince and the Revolution. Number 5, Stuck on You, Lionel Richie. Number 4, Ghostbusters, Ray Parker Jr. Number 3, She Bops, Cindy Lauper. Number 2, Missing You, John Waite. And the number 1 song for the week ending September 8th, 1984. What's Love Got to Do With It? Tina Turner. Great week. Well, we'll get into how great it was, but... Wow. Okay, Great first week. of all, you said it all flawlessly. Yeah. You had a little trouble getting started, but once you started, <laughs> I couldn't, you nailed it. I, I can't give you a flawless rating. I know. Over, well, I couldn't. But find, you almost had it. I couldn't find the list. <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing here? Oh, is this what we're doing? No. Oh, I almost hit the wrong button. We're doing. Let us, let's get into the categories first. Okay. Of course, the ever important winner of the week. Looking back, look, like we said, every single one of these songs, memorable. We remember them. They're played. What do you look back on and think as, you know, yes, 1984 song, but what plays today holds up the best and therefore wins the week? I think you, should, you, go, think? I think you should go first. You'll know why. If you're giving me the honors. I'm giving it to you. It's almost not fair because, you know, I love Prince, but I don't love all Prince songs. We've had Prince songs on these countdowns that I haven't chosen as winner of the week this week. Let's go crazy. Not just wins the week. It literally punches a higher floor, man. It's just, <laughs> yeah, it's its own. It's in its own place. It's like number one with a bullet. The only contenders that can knock it off its perch this week, I would suggest would be the Tina Turner song, which we've just discussed. Not necessarily my jam. Great song. Respect it. The only other one would actually, I think, be the warrior just because it's it, it was it's the best, it's the best. Well, it's I already said it's not Scandal's best song, but it, but it, it holds a place in the 80s, a distinct place in the 80s. Nevertheless, Melt, the reason I let you go first is I want you to do the honors. Let's go crazy is a Pantheon song. It's a Mount Rushmore. It's a Pantheon song, song a, by a Pantheon artist. Right. You so know, you always sort of say it's not their best or whatever. You let's go crazy is one of Prince's best songs. Period. Yeah. Many would say his best. Pro, it, I'm sure you would have a different choice and I might too. But. I do. And you'll find out someday. But yeah, this is, um, <laughs> Ooh, yeah, this is right up there. All Absolutely right. right up there. I All thought right. you were going to say Shebop just because it's no, grown in um, stature in a sense. No, love it. But does not deserve winner of the week honors. It's just, that's, that's fair. That's more of like uh, cool underrated than winner of the week. Winner of the week, Milt. This is the, the time honored tradition of winner of the week. <laughs> I mean, come on. You can't. It's nothing to be. Come like on. With, right? of the week. You can't mess around with the winner of the week. The, yes. Right. Okay. The honor of his career. No right. doubt. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's bring in the referee. That, of course, is the sound of the substitution. Um, this is always fun. Um, and I think we might do things a little bit differently this week, but not really, because what we do here, as everybody knows, is we're going to write the musical wrong. Each of us are going to kick one song out of the top 10, banish it to the uh, pile of musical history, the dustbin, if you will, and replace it by a song that was in the Hot 100 this week, but never makes the top 10. We're going to give a buried song its due and place it within this list of pretty classic, memorable songs. So, Dave, do you want to do the first honors? Yeah, and you're going to be surprised because I, I am a merciful <laughs> and benevolent partner of the late. Chartmeister. It is getting a little late here. And uh, I am going to spare, to take my sword and lay it down and spare you, Lionel Richie, and I am kicking mm. out. I'm kicking out Ghostbusters. Just having time to think about it and getting, getting warmed up and getting a full head of steam and realizing... Great movie, 
But the corporate creation that was the song of someone yelling Ghostbusters over and over, sorry, you're out. Anyway, I will replace it with a song that's a little bit of a sleeper from the band known as uh, Night Ranger, which all the guys in this band also kind of look like John Waite, by the way. And uh, <laughs> no, it's not Sister Christian, which obviously I assume made the top 10 and maybe even hit number one. This is a song called When You Close Your Eyes, and I'm going to let this go for maybe 15 or 20 seconds until I get all misty. So, not a lot to say about the song. I don't want to waste everybody's time. It's just the substitution. But it's it's kind of a nostalgic song. It's a little sappy. But it recalls the, the youth of someone and old girlfriends, things like that. Take a listen. Always loved it. There was they had a video which was a little cheesy, but just the band was really enthusiastic. And I love the I love the way the um, the lead singer on this song is actually the drummer. I don't have his name here, but I always thought there's something cool about that that they gave the drummer his shake. And he they actually and, split lead vocals. The okay. the verses are the one of the guitarists, and the the chorus is the drummer. Or the, even the pre-chorus is the drummer. The pre-chorus is the drummer. The drummer gets yeah. to sing the song about learning about love in the back of a Chevrolet, and isn't that what matters? Okay. I think he has a little lisp, too. Night Ranger were a bunch of like hard rock guys who just decided they wanted to make some pop rock songs, and I remember loving them back then. Absolutely loving them. Right. I hear you. The only problem is when I close my eyes, I think of pizza, mostly. <laughs> I tried to do research on the song. It, it's pretty much what it sounds like. He's like, he's thinking about back on old girlfriends that he maybe lost his virginity with and wondering, you know, do you still think about that night? And the woman's probably now, you know, a PhD and a professor at Duke. And it's like, actually, no, I don't. I don't at all. Mr. Night Ranger. Okay, Mel, your turn. Who are you kicking out? You know, um, there's no song that I hate on this countdown, which is kind of miraculous. Right. Mm-hmm. But, um, and I, I'm going to do it, even though I'm, I I love, I said I'm not going to hate on him. Oh! If I'm forced to I kick forced a song your off hand. this countdown, I and you busted Ghost, <laughs> would you I'm going to have to boot Lionel out oh, would you, again. Would you, would you have taken Ghostbusters? Would you have? You think? Yes. Okay. Yes, I would have. And, and and it's the result of this conversation. Okay. Because I didn't realize how much I kind of Really? I talked you song. into it. Oh, good. You did. You good. did. You're very persuasive on that <laughs> Yes. What was it the Emperor said to Luke Luke Skywalker? Yes, feel the hate. <laughs> Come over to the dark side. Yes. All right, but you've got um But here's my problem. Yeah, you've there got a are dilemma. too many songs I want to substitute with. And I'm so I'm gonna do a twofer, and there's nothing wow. you can do about it. No, you're the and The reason master. is because I discussed um last week, I found out that the time machine was taking us back to nineteen eighty four. And um my our, our mutual friend of the podcast, Al, mm. without prompt said, oh, are you guys going to cover Nucleus? And sure enough, this song was was on the Hot 100 this week, but never makes the top 10. 
And man, is it as a classic. Give me some jam on it. How did Al know this? Jam Don't know. into hip-hop as you know at this era yeah and this was a little spoofy but we loved it anyway i'm surprised this never hit the top 10 uh not even close it was peak at number 56 wow because wow. you, you had to know this song you knew it like i feel like this was before we were old enough to go to real bars and dance clubs but at every like um you know Give me the wiki 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 okay <laughs> here we go down. Teen party dance party we went to, you would hear this. Yeah, for some reason, I just absolutely love this. It was the song. song that uh, you learned to break dance to, right? Yes, very poorly, but I did. Yes, yes. But I'm not going to stick with this song alone <sighs> because there was another song on go. this chart when I was examining the Hot 100 that I had completely forgotten about. But it's one of those songs that whenever it pops up, either in a playlist or a radio, I remember it clearly and I say, why have I never listened to this? This is a band you may remember, you may not remember that is called Honeymoon Suite mm. with a song called New Girl Now. Do you remember this? Yes, I do, yeah. Someone may. The vocals almost recall Marilyn Manson. A little bit. I love it. I remember. This is a great song, Milt. I, I haven't heard it in forever. Right? I do, I do, yeah, that's, that's I, I what do I remember. Yeah, when, yeah. I, when I saw this on the yeah. list, he let him sing the chord. Yeah, I, I just love it. I good just gym. remember really liking this. I never bought it, I never owned it. Yeah, I mean, but I always liked it. Um, and, well, well, to uh, me, I just uh, thought this was a moment we could sort of lift it up a little bit. Yeah, I don't know if you agree. It, they strike me as a, a hair band, you know, not completely unlike what we just heard, uh, Night Ranger, but a little edgier. And, and with and, a little new wave, you know, they had the yeah, synths right. that were yeah, a little right. kind of uh, punkier, right? Correct. New wavier is the best way to put it. Yeah. But anyway, I thought this was great. So good, good as call. much as Jam on it's a more yes. uh, famous, popular, you know, pervasive song i thought i'd give a double substitution this week which is illegal but i'm doing it anyway it's my show (laughs) i thought it was our show oh shoot yeah i guess so that's okay um that's fine i forgive you if you let us do a quick round of the category of course the category category milt picks a category from the hat and uh, then we go through the list of songs and using the title of the songs, seeing if the titles of the songs would fit into this category. Category. That's right. Okay. You got let it? Me, uh, let me dive in and see All what right. we got. Suspense okay. is killing me. Uh, okay. You got it? I feel like we've... Have we done this before? 
We may have done this before, you haven't but I'm not yet, sure. So I can't con- remember. I'll continue the conceit and say, I don't know. Tell me what you're looking at there. Could this song title? What are you holding? Hold. <laughs> Wait. Oh, you sorry. Like, I was blocking you there. You, you look like you were holding, holding an, the category. Oh, okay. It looked like you were holding an album. What cover. I pulled okay. out of the. the All right. Who knows what you're? Who knows what you're pulling out of where? Go ahead. Could this song title? Yes. Have been pulled from a fortune cookie mm. and used with the words in bed to follow. So it's the classic fortune cookie game. It's that old trick. Some, right. Most of the time, the fortune cookie message gets a little bit better with in bed, a little more fun. But let's put it to the test. Let's shall we? Okay. Okay. All right. Drive in bed. Uh, no. Oh, sunglasses at night in bed. I like that one, actually. That I like. <laughs> because that I might try. <laughs> I know. I think <laughs> I can pull that off. It could work. The thought of someone sitting in bed <laughs> thinking I might not, especially like old husband and wife, it's like, you know what might work tonight? I'm gonna, <laughs> when, I, when I get into bed with Gladys, she's going to be in for a surprise when she sees what Something I'm wearing. About a biker jacket and a pair of sunglasses. <laughs> And nothing right. else. Right. All right. Oh, this. The warrior in bed. Well, I think it works. I mean, I, I don't know if. Um, it's not a self-descriptor. Not, no. no. <laughs> this is a good one. Go ahead. This one is. Yeah. If this is it in bed. <laughs> that's been uttered many times. <laughs> Sheldon, I'm telling you, if this is it in bed, then <laughs> if this is the best I can expect. <laughs> okay. Uh, well. Let's go crazy in bed. I mean, it works. It's a little too yeah. on the nose. Too but, easy, but yes, right? right. <laughs> this could take a stuck on you in bed. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's not KY jelly. <laughs> what, what? Those aren't pillows. You picked up the wrong. T- yeah, that could be a that could not. Okay, good. Um, Ghostbusters in bed. <laughs> Screw you, work. Ghostbusters! Although in the mu- well, in the music video, the the ghost does apparently like uh, seduce a woman in bed. But anyway, well, Bustin makes me feel good in bed. Actually, D- Dan that works. Dan Aykroyd receives oral sex from a ghost in that music video. That is correct. He, he does. This does work. There's, there's no other way to put it. Okay, I'm reversing my. We'll vote. give, give you that one. Game. All right. Yep. There we go. Shebop in bed. Again, it's two on the nose, but it's right. yeah, right. Missing you in bed. Well, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and therefore she bop. Because <laughs> I'm missing. What's you. love got to do with it in bed? I mean, uh, hey. yeah. Yes. Well, oh, wait, sorry, I hit the wrong one. Yes, that was almost. We all, it was oh almost a God. clean sweep. Yes, only drive. Am I right? Was drive the only? Yes. Yeah. Well, then we I gave, yeah, we gave you the we've ever had. A more positive. I know. We'll have to keep that fortune cookie in the in the holster. We may break it out again. Yeah, in bed. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, that brings us to the end of the countdown. It is our yes, uh, our look back on the rating the week as a whole. As everybody knows, we have our rating scale here at the uh, Time Machine. Mm-hmm. We give the week as a whole uh, a rating anywhere between an A for Aerosmith, B for BGs. It really should be the opposite. Aerosmith for no. A for Aerosmith, you got B it. for Bee Gees, C for Carpenters, <laughs> D for Damn Yankees, and of course, the F for Frank Stallone. <laughs> We're just going to keep doing it. 
see, uh, right. the joke is Frank Stallone had one hit song and it was a terrible one. And so anytime we say the words Frank Stallone, oh, damn, I just said it. <laughs> By the way, last night. Yes. I watched the synchronized swimming SNL oh. sketch with my son. I wanted to show him that sketch. And thank God he loved it. Oh, good. He loved it. He said, Martin Short is like a genius. Yep. Um, anyway, Dave, look at this week. Yes. The songs are all familiar. We both agree for that. Agree on that. Yeah. Where does it rank on your list, um, A through F? Yeah. At first, when I looked down the list, I was just impressed at how memorable all of these songs are. But memorable does, memorable does not necessarily equal good. And I'm going to go BG's plus. I'm going to go I, I, just because I think Let's Go Crazy is the only song that like you and I like kind of listen to and we're like, oh, shit, this was this was so good. The rest of them are all good. It's great to go back in the 80s. It's a nice drive drive with the cars down memory lane. But I'm yeah, I think I think I'm comfortable with BG's plus. You? So we have been criticized for being too easy, easy. Yeah. We've also been criticized for being a little too negative. We have. Okay. We have. I think it was uh, was our our loyal listener, Bruce, that dissed us for being too negative about a week recently. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was 2009 when you completely missed the point. Yeah, that could be. That might have been been on me. No, I don't know. I'm going to give this because of my own personal feelings. I am and and I'm going to get criticized. I'm giving this an Aerosmith minus. Wow. I really enjoyed the music of this week. I have to say. Like I said, even the Lionel Richie song and the John Waite song, they're um, a little tedious, but th- I find something that I enjoy out of them. And that's Fair. true for every single song in this countdown, even Ghostbusters, because I can remember the movie fondly enough and it's a stretch, but I find something I enjoy out of almost every single song in this countdown. I'm not sure what more we want out of a top 10 list. But, uh, but listen, Dave, this yeah. was fun. I mean, again, really not fun. a single song, not a single unfamiliar song in this countdown. And I kind of love when those moments happen. It means we've landed in a week where we identify with the music from that week from our past. And this is a perfect representation of that. And I enjoyed it. Agree. I enjoy it. Love it. Don't forget to visit us at our website, timemachinepod.com. Again, go to the store tab and buy our t-shirt you're gonna love it trust me write a review of the podcast for us either on apple Podcasts or on our website timemachinepod.com um, we love to get the reviews because it helps people get the enthusiasm about it we got a recent review a five-star review made us extremely happy this week we need more yeah Keep give us more coming. man and yeah. you know you could fulfill your dream and be a guest on past tens the top 10 time machine we've been mixing it up sometimes no guests so, some of you don't like when we have the guests some of you do and uh but well there'll always be a seat on the machine for you if you get in touch with us we'll figure out a way you know what dave when i close my eyes tonight i'm gonna dream about you <laughs> um as long as i'm not stuck on you in bed thank you thank you very much i hope this is time. it Allow <laughs> me to introduce myself, well, my name is Jimmy B, and I'm a sure fire, blooded, bonafide, hot, fucking jam, on production MC. If you want the best.